Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Hello, everybody. Father Paul, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well. And we have another guest with us today, Sister Marie Fidelis from the Disciples of Our Lord Jesus Christ. Sister, how are you? So good. So blessed. (laughs) Um, So this is our nun edition of the podcast. And so this is where we get to bring on a sister and just shoot her all the questions that we've ever wondered. And she has a really unique story and perspective on a lot of things that I'm excited to hear about. Now, I have to be honest, we know each other, right? So sister, we went to college together. Yes, Um, we did. You were roommates with my wife, right? For one year? Correct. Yeah. So the year that you all started dating. Oh, it was oh. a it was a big year. Yeah, was a bi- was I'm a sure there year. was a lot of pillow talk, right? <laughs> See, that's that's a sister's laugh and cue to say I'm not going to reveal anything because she's a lot holier <laughs> than me. So, um, and back then, can I reveal like what your name was back then, or is it a secret? Sure, go ahead. Okay, go so ahead. I didn't know you as Sister Marie Fidelis. I knew you as uh, Chelsea. So, Correct. yeah, Chelsea Slajeski, right? Yeah. Chelsea P. Slajeski, you got Chelsea it. Chelsea P. Slajeski. Wow. One now, and the only. <laughs> well, let's start there. So, like, did you get to pick your name, Sister Marie Fidelis, or give recommendations? In our community, our practice is that we can submit one name to Mother Superior, and then she discerns if that is the name that God is calling us, but also any other sister in the whole community can submit a name for the young woman. So <laughs> mother, nice. has, mother has the, the privilege and the honor of discerning what is God calling this young woman and, and names her. So I did request the name Fidelis and mother also received that in her prayer. So, uh, that's awesome. So it was a confirmation that I, that I was listening to the Holy spirit. <laughs> that is great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's do really you, great. Do you think that, um, uh, do you like that method or do you think you should get to fully name or, or that you should have no say? I think it's beautiful. I, we go on an eight day silent retreat before we receive our name. And one of the questions we're praying about is God, what do you call me? What's your name for me? Um, and it's an opportunity for the, for the young woman to open her heart to God in a deeper way and let him reveal something about her identity. And so I think it's beautiful. That's awesome. So let's get to know you a little bit, sister, before we dive in and ask you all the really hard questions and all of that. So um, maybe give a little background, how you grew up, where you grew up. Obviously, I mentioned you went to Franciscan and then how you came to join um, the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is out of Amarillo, Texas. So shout out to Texas. You're not, and you're not in Texas right now either. I'm not in Texas right now. I live in our mission house in Pittsburgh, but I do have a Texas driver's license for whatever that's worth. There you go. There you go. Do you miss, do you miss Bucky's? I need to ask that very important question. It was Nikki who first introduced me to Bucky's. (laughs) Amazing. It goes down in history as one of my favorite memories. <laughs> <laughs> so go Sisters ahead. Sisters can't us... lie. They're not allowed. That's, that's Neither right. is anyone else. They can't. They yeah, can't nobody's lie. supposed to lie. Okay. So give us a little bit of background of how you grew up, um, you know, how you came to be a religious sister, yada, yada, whatever you want to share. Sure. 
Sure, great. I grew up in Maryland near Annapolis, so uh, East Coast born and raised, and I loved everything East Coast, urban cities, loved all of that. Shout out. Um, Yep. uh And uh, when I was growing up, I didn't have much of a perspective of faith. I was baptized in the Catholic Church when I was a baby, but I didn't grow up with much understanding of faith or religion or God. And so when I was in high school, I had um, the opportunity to go on a youth group retreat for one day, which was foreign concept to me at the time, but um, the people who were running this youth group were having a retreat and somehow I got invited. And that was when I had my first encounter with God when I was 16 in front of the Eucharist uh, in a time of adoration. And so that was a moment where I realized for the first time that God was real and that he loved me and that he cared about me and that Jesus Christ was real and that his death was real and his presence in the Eucharist was real. And it was like a gift of infused faith. I can't explain it any other way. No one sat down and taught me 10 years of catechism or anything like that. I just, before the blessed sacrament received, received knowledge and understanding of the truth and the grace to believe. So from that moment, uh, when I was 16, I wanted to start living a Catholic lifestyle, but I had no idea how to do that. I didn't have a context of community where I could learn that. So when I was, uh, getting ready to go to college, I was looking for a place where I could go and learn how to be Catholic, honestly. Like I wasn't really worried about what I was gonna study or where I was gonna study so much as that the place that I went would be a place where I could be formed to pray and to live a Catholic lifestyle. So um, I ended up at Franciscan University, which was a great blessing for me. And shout out, uh, shout out. out. And so there I uh, joined a household, which is basically, you know, a prayer community of men and women who learned to do Catholic life together and to pray together and to fellowship together. And I learned how to pray and I started going to daily mass and I started just letting my heart be formed by truth and goodness and beauty in that context. And so it was a great experience. My junior year of college at Franciscan University, I began discerning more intensely the question, God, what is your plan for my life? You know, we all kind of reached this moment towards our senior year where we're like, panic, you know, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And so in my uh, distress and panic, I started asking God that question, what's your plan for my life? Um, And I wasn't necessarily discerning vocation in that question. I was just like trying to get out of a place of panic. (laughs) So anyway, so Uh, as I went to the blessed sacrament every day and asked that question, what's your plan for my life? The Lord started just moving my heart to understand that he was calling me to religious life and to like a total gift of myself in that way. And I was not happy about that. So then my prayer became like, okay, God, you have a plan and I have a plan and they're not the same plan. So now (laughs) what do we do? So um, my, my junior and senior year was really a journey of me accepting God's plan for my life and accepting that that would be like where I experienced my greatest fulfillment. And so it was a long journey of surrender and uh, sacrifice and letting go of the things of the world so that I could be fulfilled. But God gave me that grace. And so I graduated uh, in August of 2012 and excuse me, in May of 2012. And then I entered in August right after that. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. I That is awesome. Yeah, we've known each other for a long time and I wrote in your red Volvo um, you know, car that you used to speed <laughs> around campus on and it's amazing to now know you here in this capacity. You're a 
you're a godmother to one of our children and just a very holy woman. So it's a beautiful story, I think, to be able to to hear. Now, can you break down when somebody says sister or a nun, is there a technical difference between those things? Like those Technically, two? yeah. yes. So we use the words kind of interchangeably in the English language. Even You know, I'll say, well, the nun said or be the nun or whatever but um technically canonically in the canonical language which i'm sure father paul could comment more on <laughs> is he's not that, that a smart nun, a nun is a religious sister who has um committed her life to be in a cloister so a nun is a sister who who commits to live her life in a cloister and does not leave so her life is completely devoted to prayer and they need the bishop's approval to leave their enclosure so um a sister is a religious sister who has been consecrated you know by the church and lives a religious life but is not bound by enclosure so um, basically, in my context, I'm a religious sister. Technically, I'm not a nun, but we call our, you know, everyone calls us the nuns, but um, it's a fun we, word. Yeah, it's a fun word. And people know what a nun is, especially if you're speaking to a non-Catholic audience. Um, if you call yourself a sister, they sort of get it. But if you say you're a nun, they really get it. Like this is a woman who's committed to God. So but in our community, we are a contemplative and active community. So we do go out, we do ministry, we do evangelization outside of our convent. And so we are sisters. So sister, let me jump in with this question, okay? Um, Why is Franciscan University better than the University of Dallas? Well, I knew you were going to ask that question because Father Paul is here. And I will say that the place that God calls a person is the best place that they could oh, go. Goodness. Such a great answer. So wise, sister. So wise. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the real stuff. So um, I, I want to talk about a little bit of your experience of being a religious sister and just what is the, um, what has it been like for you of, that experience, like in a worldly perspective, I know Father Paul wears a cassock. Okay, I'll start by sharing this around here, and that was a little bit of a shift and a change. And when he goes out, obviously people see him in his cassock, and it's a little bit different. Um, it must have been like a culture shock for people to see you in a habit, that type of experience. Do you have any type of just kind of fun um, or interesting stories of just you've, you know, embraced this life, you made this call, and then now you've taken on a whole new life, right? Like you wear a habit, you're, I assume you cut your hair short, you had to do a bunch of things, right? Like how was that transition from Chelsea to Sister Marie Fidelis? It was definitely a transition. That's a great word and definitely a process of purification. So um, yes, it is true. Like you enter religious life and you're, as you fulfill God's will for your life, like joy is a fruit of that, um, no matter what your vocation is, but like sometimes joy comes at the cost of a lot of other things. And so it's not like I just showed up at prayer town at the mother house on August 21st and was like, all right, I'm joyful and this is heaven on earth. And I'm so excited. It was more like, I'm terrified. And now I have to die. Like now I have to die to myself and die to my own desires. And like, 
live in a intense communal life and intense prayer life. And I'm, I'm committing the rest of my life to this. So um, there was definitely the first year I would say was very much a time of purification. I came into the community with a very, uh, with a heart that was very formed by the world. And I knew that. And so um, when I, that first year, it was an especially purifying process where I had to learn the rules and learn obedience and learn poverty and learn to love in a way that was not selfish. And uh, that takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of sacrifice and it's definitely not easy. And I'm sure, um, yes. So I'm sure that there were moments that I didn't handle things as gracefully as possible, but being surrounded by the love of my community and my formators and my sisters also was a witness to me. Like this life is possible and you can keep pressing in, keep pressing in and God will give the grace. Now, now you, did you say that, um, your the name of the town is Prayer Town, right? Like Prayer, you, Prayer Town, mm-hmm. Prayer Town, Emmanuel, Texas. Yeah, that's it's so good. That's just crazy. It's it's crazy to think. It, like, so how how did that come about? Like, tell us a little bit about the disciples. What's their spirituality? And I mean, how did they they got to name their own town, right? Yep, we have our own zip code. <laughs> People ask me, so how many people live in Prayer Town? And I say, well, about 40 nuns and some longhorn cattle, you know, <laughs> that's who we are. We, um, our community was founded in 1972. So we're still considered a new community in the church. And our mother foundress, her name was Mother John Marie. She grew up in Stamps, Arkansas. So that was where she sort of started the community. Women started gathering around her and eventually they moved to California, uh, to study theology and to live there for some time. And eventually they were invited to Texas. And so um, we were given, our community was given a donation of about 700 acres of ranch land in the panhandle of Texas. And Mother John Marie uh, felt that the Lord wanted her to receive that as a gift to found our community there. So that is how we received the mother house. And in 1991, our community was officially approved by Rome as a diocesan institute. So we have set our roots down in the Diocese of Amarillo, and that's where our mother house is. And Prayer Town, uh, when Mother John Marie received the, the inspiration from the Lord for our community, she feel, felt that we were to have prayer towns all over the world. So centers where we were a little bit removed from the world, like in a monastic sense, mm-hmm. but that we were also committing our lives to prayer and to evangelization. So our prayer town has a retreat center where people can come and receive hospitality and receive love from the sisters to be renewed. But it's also a place of, of intense contemplation. So from our prayer town, we go out to the rest of the world. And so uh, our long, long-term long goal, God's goal for our community, God's vision is that we would have prayer towns all over the world to bring renewal to that particular area. And that's why you're in um, Pittsburgh right now. Like, what is what are you doing in Pittsburgh? Uh, I muted you. So, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so in Pittsburgh, we founded. Uh, we were invited to the Diocese of Pittsburgh to run a retreat center called the Ark and the Dove. And so there's three sisters living here in the northern part of Pittsburgh. We 
like I said, our administrators of the Ark and the Dove, and this is a retreat center where the Catholic Charismatic Renewal began in 1967. So our community of religious sisters is a charismatic Franciscan religious community. So what that means is that our community's charism is to, in a particular way, live the a, a lifestyle of uh, intimacy with the Holy Spirit in a particular way. We are open to all of the gifts of the Spirit, especially the ones listed in 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of miracles, all of those things, we seek to be open to that. We, all Christians should be open to that, but in a particular way, the Lord has uh, given us a charism to live that in a concentrated way at the heart of the church. So we, we try and live that spirituality as a community every day. This retreat center in Pittsburgh, where we work, is where um, this movement first began in the Catholic Church in, in our modern wow. history. So we were invited here to live our charism and to spread our charism in a more intentional way throughout the church. That's pretty crazy. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That's I mean, it's awesome. It's a it's a beautiful witness. Um, what was uh, well, I don't know. I've I've been monopolizing. Father Paul, do you have any comments yeah, before I continue no, I to monopolize just, this conversation? I've been, Joey and I have talked about this over the course of my two years at St. Anne, which uh, has been an opportunity for me to get to know the charismatic sort of uh, spirituality of the church in a way that I'd never confronted it before. And so I've done a lot, a lot of reading, but I always thought it started in Ann Arbor or someplace. Uh, I didn't know it started in Pittsburgh. It, um so that's uh that's really really interesting that y'all are there. Like that's it's mm -hmm. as as a as a community whose whose sort of rule in life is so founded on um like being open to these charismatic gifts and fostering this relationship with the Holy Spirit and teaching that to others, that's gotta be a really special place for you to be. It is. It's a really, really special opportunity for me to be living here and ministering here. And you're right. The charismatic renewal very early on did uh, move to Ann Arbor in the sense of mm. uh, the, the way the story goes, the way history goes, is that in our chapel here in this building that I'm sitting in, we have a chapel with the Blessed Sacrament. And some students from Duquesne University were wanting to go on a retreat. And they had read in the Acts of the Apostles about the about Pentecost, which is coming up soon in the church calendar. And they said, is it like, is Pentecost just a grace for the early church or is it a grace for us too? And so they started praying about that and seeking an answer and seeking the grace of a personal Pentecost, as we call it now. So they came away for a weekend here to the Ark and the Dove. And this was run by other sisters. It was just a different kind of retreat center, but they were just coming for a place to pray. And on Saturday night of their retreat, they all were just drawn to the chapel here in front of the Blessed Sacrament, where they had a very powerful experience, a tangible experience of God's love for them. And they felt like the, the presence of God, like the glory of God in the chapel. And so um, they began receiving gifts of the spirit and praying in the gift of tongues. And, you know, this was the first time this had been seen in the Catholic church in centuries, you know, in the early church, this was very common, but uh, throughout the centuries, uh, for different reasons that spirituality kind of went into a, the background. And so in the modern church, God saw it fit to uh, reintroduce this into the Catholic spirituality here at the Ark and the Dove. And then from that weekend, the students just began testifying and sharing what happened uh, with their friends and with their families. And so 
um, people came to, to hear from them. And that's how it ended up going to Ann Arbor was that people from Ann Arbor had come here and to Michigan had come here, met with these students, and then it kind of spread throughout the whole world. So mm. it's um, really amazing that all the Holy Fathers since 1967 have approved this movement and have recognized that it began here at the Ark and the Dove. That's awesome. And we're yeah. going to get into on our second part. So this is going to be a two-part conversation with not actually a nun. Just a sister. Just a sister. That's going to be the name of this episode. Just a sister. Just a. Uh, <laughs> and I so, have a better name. Oh, oh, what's what's your name that you want for this episode? Well, I understand from knowing Father Paul that he comes from a, a very traditional, wonderful background, and mm-hmm. I come from a more charismatic background. So my suggestion is that we call it Tradismatic. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Fine. Do just we start with you're, tra- you're we start a holy with just person, a, just and, a sister, and then we go to tradismatic? Oh, we could. Part one could be just a sister, and part two could be tradismatic. You heard it here okay. first. <laughs> Charis, charisational. What about like the the the, the, the never mind? Okay, no, that doesn't so work I, we will in second part talk about this. We have a few more minutes. I w- I want to talk more about being a sister and why do you think so many this is my perspective as a youth minister. It's a lot easier to say to a young man, have you thought about being a priest and them to be open to it than it is to a young lady to say, have you thought about a calling to a religious vocation as a sister or none? Um, Why do you think we're encountering that nowadays? Is that been your same perspective? And how can we encourage more vocations, religious vocations? I would say the first thing that comes to my mind um, is that priests are a daily part of Catholic life. You can't have mass without a priest. Like young people see priests at least, hopefully at least once a week, Um, hopefully more often than that, but minimum once a week, they should at least see a priest in person, you know, um, even from a distance. Religious sisters, we are part of the daily life of the church, but we're more hidden, I think, uh, through our prayer and through our life of penance and life of sacrifice. And so it would be great if religious sisters were in every parish and you could see them every day or every week. But I've met young Catholic people who are 17, 18, 19, and have said, I've never met a sister before. Like you're the first one I've ever seen in my whole life. And so um, I think one of the most basic things is that young women don't have examples of religious life that they see on a daily basis or a weekly basis or even a yearly basis. So it's hard to discern something that you've never seen before. So what's your solution? Oh, so my solution is that uh, I think we all know that vocation, the seeds of vocation are first planted in the family, in the domestic church. So um, I think that parents have a huge responsibility to expose their children to all different kinds of vocations. So, you know, as, as we've had, little, little kids, three years old, five years old, come to prayer town just because their parents wanted them to see, like they just want them to be exposed. And God is the one who invites, God is the one who gives the grace of a vocation to religious life, but parents have a responsibility to expose their children to the possibility of that. I also think that parents have to be very verbal in supporting that. And 
Um, there's a diocese that has a prayer for vocations after mass uh, in the whole diocese. And I don't remember the exact words, but it's something like, Lord, choose from our own families, those for your flock, choose from our own families, the vocations that you need for your church. And so that's a bold prayer for a parent to pray. Like, Lord, you can choose my children to be religious sisters. You can choose my children to be priests. Like we will say yes, and we will support them. It's important for children to know that their parents are going to support them, especially for entering religious life. There's a lot of sacrifice involved. And if the family isn't the number one supporter of that, it's going to be very difficult to discern. I remember a homily one time from Father Edwin, who I know you've met at baptisms of our children and different things like that. But Father Edwin one time was talking about just vocations in general and saying, um, next to the devil himself, the biggest obstacle to vocations is parents. And I was just like, I was a little shocked. I was a little taken back first. I was like, did he just say that? And the more I thought about it, how true it is. And even just, even though I'm a youth minister, I have kids that I, you know, we pray with, we want that have a relationship with the church that are deep into this church community. You know, there's a dying to yourself as a parent to say, okay, um, these dreams or hopes I had for Dominic, they might not come true. These dreams or hopes that I had for, because they're of the, of the world. To say, oh yeah, I envision walking her down, you know, the aisle at her wedding, or I envision seeing, you know, being a grandparent to their kids, or I envision, you know, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And and there's like you talked about, you had to go when you became a sister and die to yourself. Parents have to as well. Mm. Yes. So it's yeah, it's a really interesting, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing and to call um, on parents to pray for the openness, the grace to just be open to vocations. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Father Paul, you're very quiet this morning. I am. I'm just kind of enjoying you're this, like soaking it, it up, drinking my iced tea out of my Bucky's cup. Oh, iced tea. Just, yeah. No, I'm, I'm really into iced tea right now. I don't know. Sister, are you I'm a coffee sweet. fan? Oh, yes. <laughs> How many? Before co- I was a religious sister, I was a barista. So little known facts. Oh, yeah. wow. That, and you also worked at like the, we call it switchboard at Franciscan. It's like the yep. place where they literally switch the phone calls that come in. Not <laughs> with like little like, plugs. <laughs> I prefer to think of it as like the center of the universe at Franciscan University. Yes, uh, I, I did work there. I loved that. I can't imagine something like that without the little plugs. <laughs> I, I don't know what it would be. If You're you like have, picturing on if, a submarine in yeah, like 1950 where they're like the little transferring the calls. Or at the hotel or no, something. If you don't no, have the little plugs, what are you doing? It there? can't be. It can't be true. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go. We got a few minutes. Rapid round, okay? Sister, okay. You, I'm going to ask you a question and you just got to answer. First thing, okay? Don't worry about okay. holiness. Just <laughs> give me your best answer. Got it? You're making me nervous. Okay. Hardest rule to follow when you joined the convent. Hmm. It's tough to keep silence. So in our community, we keep silence most of the day. And there's certain times when we talk. That's tough stuff. I really like to talk, as you can tell. Favorite meal at the mother house. Pizza. (laughs) Favorite meal if someone was to bring you a meal. Oh, 
anything people bring is so good. I'm so mm. grateful all the time. That's a sister answer. <laughs> that was a very sister answer. It's we have. The truth. I just have to say real quick, Father Paul first met you when you came for a retreat, and That's right. uh, it was also Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> oh no, 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 you came for some. What was that it? That was something else later, right? Or was that might have. I don't know. Either way, at one point you were here Super Bowl weekend and it was really funny because me and Father Paul of the world were watching the Super Bowl, but you were like, yeah, I don't know if I have permission to watch the Super Bowl, so we'll just stay in the kitchen. So you and the other (laughs) sister and Nikki stayed in the kitchen while us heathens were just watching the Super Bowl in the other room. And so it was it's one of my fondest memories of, you know, just (laughs) just me living of the world. Just watching the Super yeah. Bowl, enjoying football. Me being a, a secular priest. That's right. That's right. Okay, let's jump back in. If you, uh, you know, out, outside of, obviously God called you to this vocation, you made your final vows, it's beautiful, all of that. But if you weren't called to be a nun, what would what what's one job you would have loved to do full time? Be a barista. Mm. Coffee barista, huh? Uh, yeah, for the rest of my life, I would have done it. Yep. Wow. That's. That's intense. I loved it. Do you have any occasion to act as a barista for the other sisters? Yes. When I lived in Mexico for two years, there was about four of us that lived there. And for special, they found out that I was a barista Mm -hmm. and they asked me to make them lattes and things. So for Thanksgiving and Christmas and sister's birthdays, sometimes I get up early and like foam the milk on the stove and like melt down some chocolate. And so I make lattes for like super special occasions, but I don't have all the equipment. So it's kind of like, you know, vintage, but it works. So what people should hear in this conversation is if they want to help out the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, they should send you like a foam frother and like a real espresso maker. A full cappuccino bar, <laughs> like, like everything. Um. <laughs> joking, joking, not joking. Is it, can, are, can you all receive are, a gift are, like that? Are the other sisters going to listen to this podcast episode? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> okay, here we go. A little bit more rapid round. Um, Favorite saint? Um, right now, I'm really into Saint Kateri, the Native American who gave her I life to Jesus. Uh, Love her. Your your um, confirmation saint. Oh, I have two, of course. So, uh, <laughs> so Mother Teresa uh, is one of my confirmation saints, and the other is Saint Maria Goretti. Those are good ones. Solid. If you were to have a firstborn male son, if you would have been married and had a child, what would his name have been? Um, The only thing that comes to my mind is Maccabee, because I'm still waiting for you all to have a Maccabee. (laughs) (laughs) So for soft pressure on this cancel. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So for those who don't know, we always have talked about the name Maccabee. Love the name Maccabee. Now, it's a little aggressive for a first name. So we probably would have done Joseph Maccabee and called him Mac, though. You know, like imagine Dom and Mac. I mean, that's just like there's some bruisers there. Yeah, I want to be Maccabee's godmother. Deal. Okay. Done. All right. <laughs> Favorite. Um, <laughs> that's just staking your claim. Just that's great. It, yes, exactly. It threw me off my game. Okay. So your favorite coffee drink then, 
if, if you either you making it or Starbucks or whoever, like what is what is the go to for Sister Marie Fidelis? Right now, I'm really loving the almond milk latte from Dunkin Donuts, like no flavor, nothing fancy, just like an almond milk latte from Dunkin that hits the spot every time. You know, people aren't into Dunkin as much here and kind of it kind of bothers me. We've um, got them, but we're not into them. Yeah, like that's a problem. I don't know. It's such America a no- runs on Duncan. Yeah, I never understood the the hype. <laughs> Father Paul's an instigator in this podcast. Okay, do you have a rapid question, Father Paul? Uh, favorite color? Oh, my favorite <laughs> my favorite color is gold, um, shiny gold. But since that's like not a very penitential color, I substitute yellow. Okay. That, that's way more complex of an answer than I yellow is a penitential color <laughs> more, than- <laughs> more than shiny gold <laughs> i don't know if i've ever heard in all my life somebody say shiny gold as I like know. like you I hear you blue, would say blue because you've got like all, the, all, this. all the shades of blue going no. in the habit but yeah. shiny gold uh okay favorite spiritual book Oh, right. There's one that's beautiful, actually, for any women who are discerning. It's called And You Are Christ's. Yes. And it's Thomas about the, the vocation to consecrated life. And it's beautiful. I read parts of it every day just to be renewed in my own vocation. It's beautiful. That's fantastic. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Dubay, right? Yep. It's yep. really good. Um, I also recommend that. Yeah. I think that's good for our sister edition. Right, so okay. we're we're gonna. So this is what we're gonna happen, folks. For, to all our avid listeners, we're gonna end this episode, and instead of our normal question edition, we're gonna kind of do a question edition, but it's gonna be called Tradismatic. Tradismatic, and so we're gonna talk about this relationship with the charismatic, um, you know, kind of spirituality and a little bit of that and why people are open to it or not open to it or any of that that was a little loud i apologize it was a little loud hey it's all right so sister marie fidelis is going to be back with us here in just a second you're awesome member just a sister awesome way more than a sister in our hearts you're awesome sister so we're going to uh Something. something So on behalf of Joey Scancella, Sister Marie Fidelis, and Father Paul, I want to say take care. God bless.